we get started, I want to introduce you to one of the sponsors of our show. Lindsay, why don't you tell the audience why Fed Up Kitchen opposed to any other meal prep company? You know, it's a hard question of why to pick Fed Up over other companies because something I've never done during the eight years is done any research on other companies. I've always focused on my own growth and just doing my best. And, uh, you know, when you want to build the tallest building, you got to focus on only your building, right? I've heard that so many times. And um, that's what I've done. Not getting distracted with the other companies, just doing Lindsay's best, which is bringing the best ingredients and bringing top quality food, creating delicious yummy meals with lots of variety, um, yummy treats, green smoothies. And I think that we've done a really good job of that because I've had customers from time to time, um, you know, during consultations or when they pick up or when, you know, they love the food, they, they tell me about the other companies. And that's how I've heard other things about them is from the customers on the program. And I think that's really the best way is hearing, gosh, Fed Up Kitchen is, you know, the quality, the flavor, the variety. You guys have green smoothies. Who offers green smoothies on a meal prep company? Chocolate chip cookies, protein donuts, parfaits, muffins. And so just from my customers, I, I think that kind of says it all. Yeah. Enough about me, though. Back to you, Gio. What's up, Fit Fam? This is Giovanni of Gio's Logic, your host of Fitness Junkies. I hope this show meets you in good health and spirits. And if not, I hope it inspires you to do something about it. Well, I am really excited. This guest stumbled into my world at Dana White's <laughs> Contender Series last week. Um, my producer, George. Shout out, George. Thank you. Um, spotted him and and he's here now. So thanks, George. Let's let's get to it. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Um, so wow. Um, I love this man already because he came in and he's like, I'm just I'm just famous from lifting heavy shit. <laughs> yeah, you pick up heavy stuff and you run really fast with it and you drop it. It's, it's you know, it's how I built my name. Right, right. Um, so I ask all my guests. What is their fitness journey? Because you are also a fitness junkie based mm -hmm. on what I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and how did it start? I mean, you can go back to childhood and <laughs> how did you get here? It, it, it goes back to playing high school football, to be quite honest with you. Uh, at 14, I was 5'3 and 135 pounds and played defensive line <laughs> my sophomore year of high school. I graduated at 17, so I was a year younger than everyone else. Okay. And I needed to get bigger to keep playing. And I love defensive line. I, I was a big fan of Howie Long, you know, and yeah. uh, Joe Klecko, stuff like that yeah. back in the day. And I, I love playing line, so I needed to get bigger. So I went in the right room at 14 and been lifting ever since. Since 14. Mm -hmm. Wow. Won wow. the Nevada State Powerlifting Championships my senior year of high school in 1986. So I started competing in powerlifting in 85 and you know, just went on from there. Wow. Now, you're a tall man now. Yeah, yeah I'm 6'2". I was 6'3", but I've lost about an inch and a half. <laughs> From all the weight you've been carrying around. Well, your cartilage compresses over of time. Course. Of so course. So my discs have compressed a lot yeah. in the back over time. Yeah. And graduating at 17, was mm -hmm. that math as far as when you started or because you, you were born at a certain time? Or are you a smart motherfucker? Uh, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm, I'm lifting heavy stuff for a living, so clearly I'm not that smart. But I've learned some things. Um, no, my parents, my dad started me in school a little bit early. And Got it. 
Graduated at 17. Nice, nice, nice. So, lineman, mm-hmm. how far did you go in lineman after you started putting on some size? Uh, college? I, yeah, I went all the way through college. Uh, went down to Antelope Valley, played two years down there. Played in the Southern California Bowl for them. We had the number one defense in the nation. I think we were third in the state. Um, and then went up to Sonoma State up in Northern California and finished up college there. Um, at tackle? Uh, defensive end, yeah. Defensive end, nice, nice. Yeah, I was always really strong for my size. Mm-hmm. Like, overly strong for my size, but I wasn't that big. My, my senior year of college, I was only 220. Right, right. But I could run a four seven. Four seven forty. So nice. I'd come around the end, and nobody could keep up with me. And I was squatting about seven hundred pounds then. So I, I was a lot for a three hundred pound or two hundred eighty pound offensive tackle to try to keep a hold of. Right. Well, those numbers sound like pro quality numbers back in those days, for yeah, sure. But at two twenty, you're not going anywhere as a pro. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we played in the Southern California Bowl my sophomore year against Glendale and I was going against the all state tackle who ended up going to USC and starting and UNLV sent me a, a thing to come take a tour of the school and a recruiting thing. And I came down and he's like, we thought it was a misprint. You're just not big enough. I'm like, I got the only sack off this guy in a bowl game, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, and held my own. You guys right. were really impressed with what I did and now I'm too small. Right. He was like, yeah, you're just going to have to like, Walk, walk on and beef up and do this. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Okay. Which, you know, these always had problems with kids from Las Vegas and recruiting them. Right. We're, we're used to being here. We're used to everything. They should actually be recruiting more from here because our kids won't get in trouble. They're already used to it. They've already exposed to everything that is Las Vegas. Right. You know, but it's one of the reasons why, you know, I just wish, you know, you know, V would actually go after more Las Vegas kids instead of having most of them walk on. Right. So are you a native Las Vegas? I graduated from Clark in 86. Okay. Uh, I've been here since 78. Okay. All right. So you're claiming it. I like that. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sixth grade on, I, we were here. I right. was in Reno in fourth and fifth grade. Okay. Nice. Nice. So from football. Mm-hmm. You, you got into the love of training mm-hmm. and lifting heavy shit. Mm-hmm. And then, but you put some, you know, juice on that <laughs> and you became a super strong man. So how'd yeah. that happen? Well, I'll, I'll just, so when I finished playing college football, I was 220. Okay. I was really fast and really strong. I was benching like 430, 440 my senior year of college. Deadlifting, I... That, that used to be my Achilles heel in powerlifting. Uh, even at nationals, I think I pulled like 705, but I'd squatted 800. So, and then my bench was always pretty solid. It was, you know, 500, 520. And my best bench back then was like 567. So it was, wow. it was, I decent. was always pretty, uh, yeah, it was decent. <laughs> and that was in the 275 pound class. Right. So I won ADFPA USA Powerlifting Nationals in 96 and 97. I had the first drug tested 800 pound squat in California history, the first 2000 pound total in ca- drug tested in California history, you know, in 1996. So, um, so I was national champion both years, 96, 97, and won worlds in 96. There was no worlds in 97 or I would have won that too. Right. And then, uh, um, 
got my first divorce. God, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> went through that, competed a little bit, moved back to Las Vegas, um, did a powerlifting meet in 2001, right after my son. My son was born in January, and I did a contest in November of 2001 and broke all the state records here. Um, and then that was kind of it for powerlifting. You know, it was like, okay, great, been there, done that. Um, and then just worked on raising my son. And then in 2004, uh, Mark Philippi was putting on a contest here and I was on the same national team. He was in the 319s, I was in the 275s and world team. And he's like, yeah, come out and watch, you know? So I went out to UNLV and watched the contest and watched like John Anderson and Phil Fister and uh, Grant Higa and some of the guys that I, uh, Carl Gillingham competed this show and then they got handed money <laughs> afterwards. So I thought it was really cool just in general. Right. And then I saw him get paid. And I was like, and my son looks at me and goes, dad, you're pretty strong. You should do this. This is cool. Here I am. Nice. So it took a few years. I went to a contest in late in March of 2004. Didn't really know what I was doing. Finished right in the middle of the pack, but I was like, it, I was bit. That was it. Right, the bug. I knew what I was going to do. I didn't, I didn't feel the guys were stronger than I was. I just didn't know what I was doing. Right. And then so uh, 2005, I got my pro card. I did a contest in t November of 2004. I won that to qualify for amateur nationals. And then I went to a pro-am because they used to have the pros in with the amateurs. Okay. And got the two, the, the guy that went first and second, I got second we both finished ahead of all the pros. We beat all the pros that were in the contest. Nice. But he got his pro card and I didn't. <laughs> okay. Second place doesn't get it. Uh, but he just kind of disappeared. Never saw him again after that. I went a month later just to get more experience because I just was so new to this. Nobody has a bunch of strongman equipment around. Right. So, I mean, you just do the best you can in the gym then show up and just try to lift the stuff and figure it out. And I went to Chad Coy's contest in, in Indiana and one, or no, excuse me. I went, Chad's is the one I got second at. I went to Van Hatfield's in Utah, and that's the one I won. They had like 17 competitors, and there were seven pros in there, and there was like three of the events where I beat all the pros <laughs> in them, and I was so far ahead in points before the Stones, I was actually a pro. I had a point gap to where it couldn't be overcome. Nice. Nice. So, and then on from there, I had a custody issue with my ex-wife over my son. So, what, before you keep going, mm -hmm. when this did you get your pro card? 2005. How old were you then? Uh, what was I, 34? I was born in 68. Okay. So, 34. Is that, I can't even do the math is right that now. normal? No. Okay. <laughs> it's a little it's, old, it's, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a little old. Okay. Um, and then in... Uh, 2006, I got back to Strongman after those issues were, were solved. Um, I was living out in Overton, um, and my I, had, I'm I had primary custody, and my wife was afraid I was going to, my ex-wife was afraid I was going to put him in school out there, mm -hmm. and she didn't want that massive commute. Mm. So I, I, was, I agreed to move back into Vegas. That went away. I got back to training, uh, did my first pro show back at the contest in Utah, um, placed okay, did one in uh, Philadelphia three weeks later, and made the top five, which qualified me for pro nationals. Went to pro nationals, made sixth, which they were taking the top six to IFSA Worlds, 
and they changed that to the top three. Um, Kevin Nee signs a contract with Metrex. He's out. John Anderson blows out his knee wrestling sumo style at a strongman contest in uh, Russia. He's, he's out. out. And then uh, Derek Poundstone hurts his back, and he's out. And Dion's like, have you been training? You know, who's the president of the ASC back then? Uh, but still. Um, have you been training like you're going? I'm like, yeah, I did what you told me to. And she's like, well, good, because you're going. <laughs> First event at Ifsa Worlds was a farmer's walk. There's, right. there's these handles, they're about six feet long, and the handle's actually inside, so it's like carrying a log. Right. You can't get them off your thighs. Wow. And the handles are a little bit thicker than an inch, so they're really hard to hold on to. It's the first event, and I'm racing Benedict Magnuson, who's the world record holder in the deadlift. Right. <laughs> you know, from Iceland, in his home country, and we're at an Alcon aluminum factory where it's 20 degrees, there's no heating in the place. It, it was just nuts, and the first event we do... We take off and it's, 20, it's 275 a hand, it's 25 meters, make a turn, 25 meters back, make a turn, and then 25 meters down, so it's 75 meters. And the world record was like f almost 51 seconds. Right. I'm not thinking that, I'm just trying to finish. Right. And Benny and I made the two turns right at the same, same speed, we were hauling, Benny drops it. And I just kept right on going. And right before the finish line, I dropped him, picked him up, and then crossed the line. And the whole place went nuts. Wow. I had no idea what I did. Right. And so I turn around. They're coming at me with the camera. And I turn around. And I go start cheering on Benny to finish. And Benny right. finishes. Turn around. They're like, how do you feel breaking the world record? I'm like, I did what? <laughs> <laughs> I broke the world record by like three seconds. Wow. And I still hold that record today. Hey, George. Yeah. I think this might be a good time to let the audience know what this man... <laughs> Is lifting what he's talking about because it's crazy. So you said two seventy-five in each hand. I found yeah. a clip where you were doing three thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, in your hand. yeah, yeah. That's out training at the house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. I find it difficult to do that with 75 in each hand. Literally none. <laughs> so I, I've what? done that. With, well, I, I've gone 410 pounds for 20 meters in 10 seconds. That's like the fastest and heaviest I've gone. And then I've picked 500 from the ground on, like that in each hand. And I've gotten about five steps with them. 500, so 1,000 pounds. pounds. Yeah. Now, that was a couple years back, though. Now, I still want to hear the rest of your story, but I mm -hmm. want to have a question about the farmer's carry. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know that it's actually a functional exercise as well for grip strength, right? Oh, grip strength, deadlift strength, core stability strength. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just balance with that type of weight, the balance you have to have as you're taking steps with it because it moves and it'll knock you over if you take missteps. And there's also new science that says your grip strength is correlated to longevity as well. Mm -hmm. This the, the part of two things, uh, pace in your walking stride mm -hmm. and grip strength are signs whether you're coming to the end or not. So yeah. There's reasons to do that, maybe not that heavy. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of out there with the way it was heavy. I mean, actually, this week, I went back with it. 
I went, dropped it, picked it up, and went back. With 500? With, no, with that, what you just saw on the screen. Which was three... 335. Wow. So <laughs> it, it, that's getting back to my normal. Right. Which is good. So. Right, right. So go on. Sorry to interrupt. But no, no, Miranda, no, it's okay. How did you get to World's Strongest Man and all that? Okay, so after ISSA Worlds, I, I went there twice, and it folded after 2007. Mm. They got us all to Korea. We did the did the contest. They got us all back, and then the promoter split with the Korean government's money. So mm -hmm. they never, we never got a prize money. The people moving the equipment never got paid for it. Stuff like that. Big fiasco. IFSA folds. Mm. Um, World's strongest man is still going, and it took about two years to get to different contests to get in because from the United States back then there was no way in. Mm. There was no way to get there. Hmm. So I got recognized at a couple of international shows, won the Fit Expo in 2010. And then Colin Bryce calls me and goes, mate, you did great. Um, you're in. So just get ready for World's Strongest Man. And that's what I did. And then I ended up going to 10 of them. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Made yeah. the finals twice. Okay. So it's been, been a lot of fun. Still nice. I'm going to try to go one more time. So talk to me about your unique body uh your current physique mm -hmm. i don't i feel like you look more fit mm -hmm. or i don't know if that's the right word <laughs> um not fat let's put it that right. way more bodybuilders physique yeah. than strongman physique i've always been that way for pretty much all my career i don't want to carry around needless weight got it um will it help in things like the truck pull yeah, but will it slow me down and everything else? Yeah, so I, I try to, I don't want to carry around thing, muscle moves the weight, yes. not fat. Right. So I don't like carrying a lot of excess body fat that I'm not going to use. If it's not useful, why put it on? Well, and also it's probably healthier. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, what was it? My BP last time was like 82 over 122. Or nice. vice versa. Right. So it, it's it's good. It's healthy. I mean, right. I, I make sure I take care of myself. Right. That's important. My um, wife's an ER nurse too, so ah, she's nice. It, I she, she keeps you in line. She's all over me. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So the you said that in one of your videos that you were working on other stuff like you balance that you said and things mm -hmm. like that. I notice on your deadlifts, your <laughs> leg positioning is really close. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not necessarily a, a big follower of Strongman, but talk to me about the positioning on your deadlifts, your legs. Okay, me personally, that's where I function the best at. And the perfect deadlift technique doesn't exist. Okay. Your technique, his technique, my technique, they're all going to be different. It's the perfect deadlift technique is the one that you can lift the most at without getting hurt. Mm. Plain and simple. Right. And that's the best one for me. Okay. Um, as I, I said earlier, I've gotten shorter because of the disc <laughs> compressions. Right. My L5 and sacrum have naturally fused now. They mm. don't move. Okay. And then now I think four and five are starting to do the same thing. Mm. It's just part of lifting heavy. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't have any nerve impingements but it does make it harder to bend forward. So therefore, 
I had to figure out how to grab the bar and still be able to use my legs and get everything into it and mm -hmm. still pull it off with force. This is the technique I found that works for me. And talk to me about the benefits of the deadlift. Because a lot of people <laughs> say it's the best. Some people um, say not it's the so worst. much. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, here, here's the thing. Do you want to be strong? <laughs> Do you want to? Gail Gillingham played for the Packers back in the day, and he was deadlifting 800 pounds back then. They won the Super Bowl. They did a lot of stuff. Being strong is always a good thing. And the injury to risk to reward is what they complain about. Look, that's a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, pick the bar up, put it down. The stronger you are over the way, all the way around, the better you're going to be, the better yeah. an athlete you're going to be. Yep. And when you're going to move other bodies or other people or heavy objects, deadlift's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, and they say that strength is also part of your immune system, mm -hmm. fighting off injury, um, coming back from injury. There's so much that people don't realize what strength gives to you as far as health and longevity. Yeah, I had COVID and I, I, I didn't take the vax. Okay, good and, man, neither did I. <laughs> and uh, I, I got COVID and I was over it in a week. Right, nice. You know, and it, it, it just felt like a, a flu. Right. To, right. to me, it felt like the flu. Yeah. And it, it was weird because first my whole family gets it and I don't get it. And then three months later, I get it and they don't get it. Right. That was really strange. Right. It's but weird. I had it, got it, got over it, did a strongman contest a month later, squatted 660 for 10 and deadlifted 700 for 10. So, you know. <laughs> and tell me, you know, a lot of people like, um, that I follow, like Joe Rogan says, mm -hmm. and you know, like um, Jocko, the, the uh, Navy SEAL dude, mm -hmm. they all talk about how doing hard shit in the gym translates to being able to deal with hard shit in life. Do you yes. find that? Yes. I had a pretty rough childhood. Okay. Um, my stepdad was a former Marine. You know, was a news editor, so he can read and edit a paper. Was extremely intelligent guy, but he was he was pretty rough. Mm. And I had to do what I was told, or else, mm. you know, type of thing. And he was an alcoholic, and there was a lot of issues there. And yeah, it, me finding lifting in that really got me through all that stuff. And it's it's always been there. It's always been the thing that's kept me sane and safe for. It's, it's done a lot of benefits to me to take care of a lot of those issues. Yeah. And, and it shows me that there's nothing I can't do as long as I want to do it. Right. And that probably uh, other emotional roller coasters that you, you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. that, you know, divorce, mm -hmm. child custody battles, like people don't realize that not only as a stress reliever, but just being a stronger individual accomplish things that you're you're pushing your mental aspect stronger yeah. helps you deal with other issues that are have nothing to do with the gym oh absolutely nice i mean it's the ability i have whenever i decide i want to be like that good at something mm -hmm. i'm going to be that good at it i know how to do it i'll research it i'll find i'll figure it out i'll go i'll learn it from top to bottom and then i'll execute i just have to make the decision i want to be that good at it yeah and yeah. that's a skill that you learn that 
if I wanted to get a computer programming and do that, I would do that. Right. I mean, I know no matter what I decide I want to apply myself to, as long as I make that decision to commit to it, I'm going to do that good at it. So... And oh, anybody else can do that. Right. It's, it's just making, getting your head right and setting your goals and the people that surround you. And th that's huge. A lot of people don't have the right people around them. And right. they have, you know, cancerous people that will drag you down. And, you know, other people will pull you down to their level. Right. You need to find ones that will lift you up. 100%. Now, in this crazy environment that this world has turned into, seemingly with the COVID pandemic mm -hmm. and how everything from our educational system for our kids to <laughs> um, just, you know, monkey pox. So there's just crazy shit that's going on in the world. I don't have children, but I always want to know, like, how do you teach your children to navigate through all this shit that they're getting fed in schools even? And, like, do you kind of teach them training like are, are your children involved in health and fitness and lifting as part of their education yeah both my kids my son played lacrosse and then now my daughter because it's her big brother followed into it lacrosse which, yeah as well. he he got to go to the under armor uh all-american tryouts twice he was all state twice you know Pretty much could have played it all through college, but he's got a concussion problem. Mm. So he's had 10 concussions. He got two really bad ones his senior year, and he's like, he's like, Dad, I'm like, you got a 3.9 GPA. It's okay. I'd rather you be able to use your head. Right. And he's, he's still lifting now, but he, he, I don't expect him to be me. No. But I expect him to stay in shape and take care of himself, and that's what he's doing. Nice. So, and then his little sister, she's... She started for the high school travel team in eighth grade. Wow. So, you know, she's going into her sophomore year this year, and they, the, G, the JV team and the varsity team went undefeated in the regular season. They didn't lose a game, either one of them. And she got to play on both of those teams. So nice. it was, it was kind of cool. She got to start for the JV and for the varsity. Right. And, again... The, I'd say the average person doesn't realize how much not only training and lifting is important, but team sports oh, and how it develops yeah. them. Well, yeah, if, if you play team sports, you're going to have people on the team that you don't like. <laughs> and it teaches you to learn how to deal with them and achieve a goal that is set, which is winning your games, right. with people you might not necessarily like, mm. but that the goal is to win. So you right. go win and you do that. And then you guys go your separate way. Well, what happens when you go to work with somebody you don't like? Right. And you have to work with them every single day. If you can't function with that person, you're not going to keep your job. Right. So it teaches them how to function with people they might not necessarily like, or, you know, wouldn't normally be friends with or whatever, and then still function. So it's, it's good. It's a good device all the way around. We're going to start a new podcast called Life Lessons with Nick Best. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really Thanks. important because, uh, you know, half the people look at you, oh, he's a meathead, he's, you know, oh, yeah. steroids, he's, you know, whatever <laughs> hater shit that they're going to throw at you. Mm -hmm. But 
there's a lot to be learned through the discipline yes. of looking like that and being able to lift like you lift. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. I want people to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, and I thank you for this opportunity to do that. So, yeah. but yeah, there, there's a lot of things that go a long way in life. And I think in schools, they need to get rid of every single participation award. I agree. Every single one. You know, there was a, I think it was the All-American Challenge that my daughter went through in the fifth grade. And she had to learn, like, the Pledge of Allegiance, the Gettysburg Address, um, all the states and the state capitals, all the presidents in numerical order, and the states and capitals were in alphabetical order. And I think there was one other thing, can't remember what it was, but only three kids in the class were able to do it. She was one of them. Wow. So they came up and they got a little award for it. Then they proceeded to go and hand out all the kids that couldn't do it little awards, awards as, well. as well just for attempting it. It's like you just devalued people that excel. Right. Why would you try anymore in a society that no matter what you do and show up, right. you're going to get a reward anyway? Right. It's kind of like they're trying to teach our society to just expect to get things for nothing. Right. You know, and expect to... Uh, be mediocre and you're going to be just fine. Right. Or even below mediocre. Yeah. All you have to do is show up. And it's like, mm, that's not, that's not a way to breed success over a long time. Right. And uh, those are terrible life lessons. <laughs> yeah. It'll, but it will make us easy to, you know, manipulate, be, be and taken, control. To manipulate, control and be taken over. Oh yeah. <sighs> Let's get back into the deadlifting. <laughs> I'm going to get depressed here. Let's, no, let's I'm, not, I'm not depressed at no, all. No, no, no. Well, the thing is, is our responsibility as parents, those kids didn't ask to be born. 100%. So our responsibility is to raise good people. Mm. Every parent has a responsibility to raise a good person. Because they didn't choose to be brought into the world. We made a decision, and they came about because of our decision. So because of that decision... and. Ours is to raise good people and to love our children. Yeah, it, it's, it's, again, life lessons with Nick Best, <laughs> and I okay. hope you people listen to this. <laughs> He's not the, maybe the person you think that's going to deliver that message, but it's an important mission, me message, so listen up. <laughs> um, and, and like I said, and, you know, particip participation trophies are one thing, but there's like all this diversity shit and inclusion and like i I'm, i respect everyone for what they want to do and um i feel it's okay if if you want to be whatever type of person you want to be but i don't think they should be pushing it on little children it's it's Pe wrong no you have the right to be or pretend to be whatever you want to be right plain and simple i'll never interfere with that but you don't have the right to make other people pretend Oh, so true. You don't have the right to control what is in someone else's head or how they think. You have the right to be whatever you want to be, and I'll never, never argue or fight with that unless you're a map. Then I got a problem because map is a pedophile. Right. But other than that, whatever you want to be, knock yourself out. You can be that. Just you can't expect and demand everyone else pretend as well. Oh, man. Like... No, this is really going to be a podcast. Um, but totally. like, I mean, it's so <laughs> true. But I like what happened. 
and I'm not going to call it left or right, but like it's this kind of prevailing psychosis that's going on. It's by design. <sighs> there, uh, I mean, if you look back at George Washington, he didn't want political parties because he thought eventually they would tear the country apart. Because yep. you'd polarize one one way and one the other way. And then in our news media, when they got rid of the FCC Fairness Doctrine in 1987, which is the year Fox News started, um, when they got rid of that, news had to be honest, fair, and impartial. If it mm. wasn't those things, you could lose your broadcast license. Right. What happened to that? It's, it's gone. It's dead. <laughs> journalism, true journalism is gone. Right. 100%. It's not there. Right. Because the impartial thing destroys it all the way across the board. Because there's no news broadcast that you can watch anymore that's impartial. Yeah, yeah. And honest and fair. Where do you get your news? Or I just get it from podcast and well, just different people. Every follow? source available that I can see, because there's a little bit of truth in everything. Because mm. even when even when they're telling you a flat out lie, there's some truth in the flat out lie. Right, right. So yeah. you have to disintegrate this. That's not the word I'm going. But you have to di differentiate and disseminate which is true and which is manipulation but once you start looking at it pretty good you can find out which is right and which is them right. trying to manipulate you right but it seems like common sense or well, that's gone yeah <laughs> or there's have you seen the movie idiocracy yes yeah yes that's what we're moving towards by the looks of it uh, God. it's a funny movie though yeah <laughs> it's really funny you should watch it it's hilarious <laughs> Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to get this like deep. No, no. <laughs> we're, we're talking about lifting. No, I, I love that to see that side of you because you probably are always asked about lifting and that's kind of what I want to do because mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, fitness is a part of my life. Lifting is part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, lifting heavy for me is a part of my life. And there's so much more to me than that. I know there's so much more to oh, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm independent, so I'm I'm not a member of either party. Right. So it's I'm going to pick whatever's best for my family and my children and my country. Right. Right. And, and someone, it's not party over country. Right. Someone said to me, or I heard something. I think it was on Rogan, and the the guest was saying he believes that that whether you're democratic or liberal or or whatever. Um, uh, whatever side of the rope you're on, people see things in different parties that make sense to them. Correct. But they're stuck in this ideological position. They're put. Yeah. They're put. They do everything they can to keep them in that position. Yeah. And that's the problem because I think people can think about something and go, well, look, there's... There's something right about that. There's, but my party doesn't believe in that, so I can't say anything about it. You might even, on the side, go, "Hey, I think it's okay," but I can't say anything. Right. I personally, I think the best thing we can do as citizens of this country is register independent, because then you start taking the power away from the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, and they both have to work harder to get our vote. Right. Right. So they're going to have to figure out a way to work better to do what we want them to do if we do that. Right. Instead of what they want to do. Because what is it? 30% of the laws are the ones that the population wants? 
Right. And the other 70 is what they want. Right. Yeah. That's, that's wrong. Re regardless of your party affiliation, that's just not right. So here's another deep question. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll get back to lifting, I swear. Yes. <laughs> Are you hopeful about the future of this country and specifically your children's future? I'm very hopeful of my children's future Good. because we actively participate in raising our children. Uh, my son's in his senior year of college at UNLV. Nice. Um, he's got a 3.8 GPA. He's majoring in biology and wants to either be a dentist or a doctor. He's going to be okay. My daughter now apparently wants to be a lawyer is what she's decided. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay. <laughs> and and that, that's fantastic. So, is, and she's got very good grades as well. Um, so I, I'm excited about their future. I'm always hopeful we can take a turn and move things forwards and make things better. Because if everybody's having a better life, then everybody's having a better life. And that's, that's the goal in the end, is to love other people and to be kind to others and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm always hopeful of that. I, I don't want to be a doom and gloom. Good. Do I want to be prepared in case there is an issue? Absolutely. Yeah. But I, it's, I don't want to be doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. I always like to ask people with children, are they hopeful? And obviously we're all hopeful that things get better, but you've got to be the change that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, it starts with you. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it's, it starts with you individually, positive attitude and go in and do things to the best of your ability. Yeah. And as long as you go in and do that and you, you go out and try to be a good person, at the end of the day, good things are going to happen for you. Okay. And that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, back to deadlifting. Yes, okay, back to deadlifting. Great you exercise. Want, it is you definitely wanted to see you at deadlift? Or? I want to see his deadlift. See, I had played it as he was talking <laughs> about it I, on like a little side-by-side. -side. But what I do have pulled up here is okay. him leg-pressing a fucking car. <laughs> Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> that last rep. Yeah, I, I got three, and then the fourth one I got stuck. But that's that's. What kind nothing, of car that, was that? Oh, I don't even know what kind of car it was. It was just heavy. <laughs> but they, I mean, it's not the full weight of the car. It's been gutted, stuff like that. So it's about it. eighteen hundred pounds. Somebody had to. Somebody had to say that in the comments. It kind of like killed me. He said, "Notice how the car is gutted out." I was like, "Oh my god, dude, give me a fucking break. right." What's your fucking max on the fucking leg press, bitch? Well, the, the, the great thing is, the, the great thing is, is you know Brian Shaw's a very dear friend of mine. We've known each other since probably two thousand five, and. Uh, you know, we were on the TV show together. I mean, I just, I've been at every one of his World's Strongest Men victories, and I've shown so many, shared so many great parts of my life with him. And I, I just did a contest in uh, Missouri. It was my first contest back because I tore my lat off last year Ooh. and had it surgically reattached. 
Shit. That's I was gonna get into this is a good segment. <laughs> <laughs> so um it was my first strongman contest back. I did a strongman in Missouri contest in Missouri. It was Clash of the Masters. And I had squatted six sixty for ten, deadlifted seven hundred for ten. And then Brian's like, Hey, can you come out on Tuesday and do that? And I'm like, Yeah, let's do it. So it, it would be a good test because that was gonna be on the second day of the Shaw Classic. And this is the first time anybody's really done an event like this. And Brian had did it, but he wanted to get a, kind of a better idea of what it was like. So mm-hmm. I went out there and did that with him. Wow. Wow. Mm. Yeah. You, on one of your videos, you were explaining why you did um, back exercises. And then you mm. showed how you lifted the heavy bag. The sandbag, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many. Cr- and you were talking earlier about how that there's not a lot of places where you can learn to the techniques to do those things. Right. Um, talk more about how that transitions from gym weight, weights and, and what you do to lift the crazy shit you do. Right. Well, so, I mean, most everything you're doing in strongman, you're trying to pick up something really heavy and move really fast with it because it's all under the clock. So, excuse me. So a lot of people that uh, do bodybuilding training don't understand that, you know, which is what most people are kind of exposed to. And so when you're doing rows with like six plates on each side and you're just pulling away, you know, people are like, oh, he's jerking, he's doing this. I'm like, no, I'm trying to pull it as fast as possible. That's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the use to the muscle and the tendon strength that that develops Mm. because you're going to get a lot of tendon strength from stuff like that. Got it. So you don't get injured because when I grab a hold of the 300 pound sandbag, I need to pick that up, get it in my lap and then throw it up on my shoulder or take off running with it as fast as possible. (laughs) And so you can't do those things slow. Right. You can't do those things like you're trying to squeeze your lats and work it in. I'm <laughs> right. not a bodybuilder. Right. So that's why I do the training that way is I try to simulate what I'm going to do on a competition at all times. How, what do you train to learn how to pull a truck? You go out. You, there's ropes and harnesses that you can get. Right. Then you go out and take a regular truck. Uh-huh. I have a 100-pound tire that I'll attach to a chain and put it on the back of the truck, uh-huh. and then I'll drop a 250-pound sandbag on that tire. That thing grips the street, street like you wouldn't believe. Oh. Your first pull to your last pull is absolutely miserable, and you pull that thing 25 meters. Yeah, it's rough, and that, it, but it does feel like a 60 to 80,000-pound uh, semi-truck right. or bus or whatever. Most people don't know this, but when you watch World's Strongest Man, even like last year where they did the bus pull, uh-huh. they go let the air out of the front tires for two minutes. So it Most makes people it don't harder. know that. Yeah, makes it way harder. <laughs> the first pull and the last pull are miserable. If you don't pull super hard, that momentum stops. It'll stop cold right in the middle of the course if you quit pulling. Uh, it won't keep rolling. Damn. You can only get so much. So if you tr- take a regular truck, just a regular vehicle, and attach a tire to the back of it and drag the tire with a sandbag in it, it simulates that exact thing. Nice, nice. So it's a way to do it. If you can't go down to somebody's fire department and borrow their engine or right. whatever else, right? yeah, that's, that's the way you do it. And are there other exercises in the gym that simulate some of the muscles that you're going to have to incorporate? Um, leg press, to a certain degree, will do that because you have to keep driving. So you try to do heavy weights on a leg press, like 1,400, 1,500 pounds, for 20s, you know, so that you can keep pushing through it even when it just doesn't feel good and make the muscle function. Right. 
that would that would be something that would help um, your rows and stuff like that because you're you're coordinating you you still pulling and pushing at the same time right so having a very strong back having a very strong grip all affect that right but you got to really simulate it you got to go out and do it right the, the crazy thing is that truck pull when you do a regular truck pull that is actually really good for MMA fighters and they just don't even know it. Oh, the what, what, weighted... What, what, what do you do when you're doing a single leg take or a single or a double leg takedown? You're driving your legs and then you're rowing in, right? Ooh. Yeah. So if you get used to that and the conditioning for that, because you have to pull 100% for up to 90 seconds if you set the weight right on that truck. Do you know how taxing that is? I can only imagine. Yeah, I've had guys <laughs> that are professional MMA fighters come out and do that and then go puke right afterwards. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's rough. It's hard. But the conditioning you get from that and you learn how to function like that. So if you go because you're fighting and you go all out for like 10, 20 seconds and then you're back resting and you're trying to right. move around, stuff like that. If, so if you get used to functioning at 100% for 90 seconds how hard is it going to be to go 20 seconds and stop 20 seconds and stop 20 right. seconds and stop stuff game like changer that. yeah so i don't know what those images were it seemed like it was your garage mm -hmm. where you have all that gear yeah it's is, all at my house oh so you have now you have a lot of the stuff that you oh i got it all myself yeah okay and, and i've people, collected it over the years athletes yeah. come to you mm -hmm. and do you do you have clients that come to you or <sighs> My wife won't let people come to the house other than <laughs> they all have everybody that comes to the house to train has to be run through my wife. Got it. And got it. So it, unless it's certain people like Frank Mears got an open invitation to come over and train whenever he wants. Hopdoor, Brian, Eddie, you know, all 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 the strongman guys. Your inner circle. Martins. Got you it. know, every all, all my friends that I train with all the time in strongman always have an open invitation. Evan, Evan Singleton, stuff like that. Um, Anthony Furman, they all have an open invitation to come over and train whenever they want. Got it. So, but everybody else, they got to go through the wife. Nice. So I, I, I eventually want to, I, I do some online stuff, mm -hmm. but it's hard to keep up with. And then it's also, it's hard to look at videotape and really coach people. Mm. I can tell them some things on the, on the videotape or like if I'm watching live, I can adjust their techniques a little bit, but it's so much more gratifying to do in person. Right. So eventually I want to get a place where I move the stuff out of the garage and right. put it in an area and right. help train people. Oh, cool. That'll be exciting. I, I, I just like working with people and watching people improve. Right. It's, it's a lot of fun. Right. Nice. So you said, you pulled your lat, you tore your lat muscle. Off. Off. De complete detach from my humerus, yeah. Rolled um, up and was sitting down here. Talk to me about other injuries. Uh, I've had an ingroinal hernia fixed. Uh, I, somehow I folded the artery in my wrist and I have a Harry Potter scar on my wrist now. Okay. Because they, you know, pulled the vessel straight and then clipped it and sewed it back together. Okay. Because I was going to lose these three fingers if it didn't. What about knees and ankles? Uh, ankles, I've sprained one probably 11 times, the other one about nine, okay. playing football. Okay. But those are pretty much good now. Um, knees, knock on wood, have been pretty good. Wow. Awesome. So, and your back, no surgery, but it's mm -hmm. fused. Uh, it's naturally fused, yeah. Right. 
But I've also gone and got stem cells at Bioaccelerator in Medellin, oh, Colombia, which wow. that, that's amazing. Talk that, to me about that. That is absolutely You amazing. think it works? Oh, it cut my walking around pain in half. Wow. In half. Well, where was that pain originating from? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm doing this for this hard for this long. Everything's going to hurt. And right. it's just like you have, it's one of the prices you pay for doing it is you, you, your joints are going to hurt. Things are going to hurt right. when you wake up. And this cut it in half. This cut my walking around pain in half. Yeah. I mean. And the crazy thing is, is I was about six months after the treatment when I tore my lat off. Hmm. So I was still under the effects because they last up to 18 months. Usually it's about a year, 10 months, but the effects of it will last, you know, up to 18 months. And I was healed and back. I did a power of the meat 50 weeks after the surgery. Wow. And um, I think Tony Robbins is, is promoting um, stem cell and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. That, yeah. Um, well, they're neutral cells. They can become any cell in the body. Yeah. So, I mean, brain matter, they help with concussions, your recall. I speak now a lot better than I did before I got the treatment. Like, wow. hands down. They went intraspinal, so it went into my spinal fluid, which went around my brain. But, yeah, I, my recall was bad. I've probably had over 100 concussions. From football? Oh, yeah. From being light sensitive and hearing sensitive, that was every single practice for me. Every single one. I remember getting out, coming out of practice, and going to sit in my friend's car, and he'd turn the music up, and I'd turn it right back down. I'm like, dude, I can't. You know, and I'd have to put my sunglasses on to go home. Wow. So um, there'd be times I'd get hit, my eyes would roll, stuff like right. that. Right. Yeah. Can you tell, talk about exactly where you got the stem cell program? Yeah, it was Bioaccelerator. Bioaccelerator mm -hmm. in Medellin. Mm-hmm. Columbia. Wow. Yeah. Which is neat, because you go down there, the hotel's attached to the mall, which is attached to the, the clinic. Right. So it's, you, you walk, to, you walk from, the, from the hotel to the clinic. It's about 300 feet. Nice. And you stay inside the mall, and it's, it's great. It's fun. And so what's now your plan as far as frequency doing that again? Or is it something that you're done with? No, no, no. I actually would love to go do that again in about another year or two. Okay. Because um, there's going to come a point when I stop doing strongman. Right. But I'm not sure what that is because <laughs> it keeps changing because I'm like, I'm going to retire. And then I'm like... No, it's still burning. I'm still going. <laughs> right. I still want to do it. But there's right. going to come a day where I'm just like, all right, that's enough. I've, I've done what I needed to do. It's out of my system. I'm good. It's time to let other people right. you know, go, and I'll just go to the coaching side or the commentary side, stuff like that. Um, basically, once I do that, I want to go down again and get them again, and then I'll just power lift from that point on because powerlifting has a different – weight class and age category right they have a different age category every five years so i can just keep breaking all those records but you're not going to stop lifting heavy shit never nice never not ever that's what arnold schwarzenegger said he said something like that he says like i'm always going to work out that's that's yeah. part of me <laughs> right right and i'll never stop competing in some certain way it's just you know i i'm not going to do Atlas stones and stuff like that. Right, or right. I'll do some in my training, but it's not going to be serious. Like I'm trying to lift a 440 pound stone. It'll be right. 300 pound stone for reps or something. Right. Um, 
This is a, a difficult question, but uh -oh. one that I want to see if you can navigate. Okay. Why keep lifting? What what's what is what is it about it that that I love it. <laughs> I love it. I enjoy it. I mean, if you got to do what you love to make a living, wouldn't you do it? But after the, there's no more uh, monetary gain from it, you're still going to lift. Yeah, I love doing it. I love the process of it. I love going to the gym. I love setting goals. I love achieving those goals. I love overachieving those goals. I just love the process of doing this. Yeah. And the competing is the reward at the end. Right, right. Love it. Love it. Let's talk about another thing that, um, two things okay. before we leave. Okay. I want to talk about how you eat and how you build muscle and your philosophy behind that. Okay. Well, it, it's been funny. I've probably eaten this way for, I don't know, 15, 20 years now, the, kind of the way I'm eating now, which it turns out when I went to film uh, The Strongest Man in History, with, with Brian and Eddie and Robert, I was watching Brian eat, and he, we ate very similarly. It turns out he was eating the vertical diet at that time. Mm, and um, I started asking him questions, and he's like, well, just talk to Stan. So I got a hold of Stan. Stan sent me the book and stuff, and I led that. And it, was able, it just enabled me to make some uh, slight adjustments to what I was already doing. And I love eating that way anyway, so it just... That's kind of how I eat. I kind of eat the vertical diet. So it's nice. a lot of meat, buffalo, salmon, and a boatload of rice. Right. It's, it's easy to digest. I'm not very gassy. Yep. You know, all the way around, it, it feels good. I'd love to get Stan on the show. He's in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. He's in the south side of town. I'm in the north side of town. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll do that. I was going to reach out to him. Okay. That, that is one smart man. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, I'm knowledgeable. He's smart. Yeah, yeah. He's. I, I love his his whole philosophies and mm -hmm. and his. You know, he, he does a lot of heavy lifting as mm -hmm. well. <laughs> yeah, it was his squat record that I broke and his deadlift record. That I broke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stan. <clears throat> nice, nice. But yeah, um, awesome. So, what what part of your training are you in now? Are you in season or are you off season? No, I'm in season. So what's your calorie intake per day? Right now it's about 5,500 calories a day. Okay. I don't want to try to get to 320, 330 anymore. Mm -hmm. So if I hold it three, th between 300 and 310 is like a weight that I'm extremely comfortable at, that I'm extremely strong at, it doesn't make sense for me to put on weight I gotta take off later. Right, right. So uh, 5,500 holds me at about there to where I'm still like really strong and able to do what I need to do. Right. And I'm not completely versed on, on the vertical diet, but is mm -hmm. it multiple meals, like five meals a day? or yeah, Five, you... six. Okay. And you do a protein shake every day? Uh, I do it right before I go to sleep. Okay. And what type do you use? And do you have a supplement line associated with you? First form. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it's their Shout out. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's their, their protein and it's, it's, um, the intra, which is a glucose drink. I, I drink that as well before I train. Okay. Okay. Um, how's it ignition, taste? Excuse me. It's ignition. How does it taste? Phenomenal. It's way based. Yeah. But the way they make it, it's, um, they do it at a low heat. So the protein's much more, 
um, usable to the to the body, so it works really well. And I'm keep, I keep I could talk to you about health and fitness all day. <laughs> um, uh, why before you go to bed? And my second part to that question is sleep. And mm. how does that affect your sleep? I know there's a lot of science about not eating right before you go to sleep. What do you think? Um, I think if you don't have a problem falling asleep, you can do whatever you want. Okay. I think the only issue is if you have a problem going to sleep. I can go to sleep, so it doesn't bother me. Okay. And then when you sleep is when your body's putting itself back together. Right. Everybody should understand that. If you don't understand that, you need to learn that. <laughs> so you... you Optimally, you need seven to nine hours of sleep every day. So if you can get that, you're going to function pretty darn good. Right. Less than that, which happens to a lot of people, you know, you should be getting a minimum of six at the very least amount. If you're not getting that, you got to fix something in your life. 100%. But that's when you put your body back together. So if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're super hot, you're super sweaty after training really hard, that's called overtraining. Mm. You can, do, you can have a really hard leg day and wake up that way one day. If it happens the second day, that's over, you're overtrained. You shouldn't, shouldn't be waking up like that. Very good advice. Um, learn to read your body. Yes. I mean, out of everything that you learn, learn to read your body. Pay attention to how your body reacts as it's, as it's doing things when you eat food, when you don't eat food, when you're doing, and then you try to train that way. Figure it out. And then if you function well, not eating a whole lot before you go in, then you're fine. If you don't function very well, you should better eat before you go in, you know, an hour to two hours before. So it's in your system, but it's, this stuff isn't rocket science. It's just, how does your, it's, it's just, how does your body react, pay attention to it and adjust. 100% love that theory. It's not that difficult. We're not, we're not doing rocket science here. No, but <laughs> so many people try to add so many more and complicate something that's really, right. It's not overly complicated. It's just you have to pay attention to your body. Full eggs or egg whites? Both. Both. Interesting. Because I'll eat six whole eggs with six egg whites. So I'll eat a dozen eggs at a time. Okay. Um, uh, oatmeal? Mm -hmm. You eat oatmeal in the morning? Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. You don't like that carb. Mm -mm. Okay, rice is your main rice. starchy carb. Yeah. Um, do you have a cheat day or a meal? Yeah. And what is it? Is it sugar or, or savory? It's lasagna. Lasagna? Yeah. Ooh, I do like some lasagna. Lasagna or like a chocolate cheesecake. Ooh. Those are kind of like my two binge things. And do you train hard on those days? Absolutely. Yeah, I always well, every day I go to train, I train hard. It's just <laughs> what my body has in it that day. So I mean, I every time you go, you're going hard. Right. It's, you're, or as hard as you can go on that day. Do you do the stand efforting 10 minute walk after you eat? No. Ever. Which you'll probably be mad at me about. <laughs> That's one that I, I wish I, I need to. I'm going to start doing that, at least at night. I do go for a walk, but it's with my dog and. But it's not after I eat. It's just right. go for a walk. Right, right, right. What kind of dog? I got a boxer. Now nice. I have a boxer, yeah. Nice. Our German Shepherd passed in March. Nice. All right, the last question, which I am a broken record with lately, always. Um, I love women with muscles. Mm -hmm. I train clients, mm -hmm. and I, one of the hardest things 
to tell women is to lift heavy. Mm -hmm. What do you think about women with muscles and how do you tell women <laughs> don't be afraid to lift heavy? <laughs> well, one, if you don't take an outside source of hormones, you don't have the right hormones to get huge. <laughs> so you're not going to get massive and scary looking by lifting heavy. Right. So one, understand that. Um, my wife is two-time lightweight strongwoman national champion, um, has done figure and fitness, and is now doing CrossFit. So I love women that lift. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, wow. Um, let's, let's talk about anything else that you have going on. You brought your sponsor. Are they, are they, they sponsor you as well? Uh, yeah, they do now, but I just like their product. Okay. Um, any. <laughs> else you have going on any sponsors you want to mention um evolution athletics okay it's brian's lifting equipment company okay they they make the best stuff available i mean it puts reban and everybody else in the market to shame as far as you know all their lifting gear uh barbell apparel i i love the fact that i can walk in there and get in a pair of jeans or put on some shorts and walk oh, out. Oh, that's with, barbell apparel. Yes. Okay. So the, 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 they, they have a store in Summerlin, right? Yeah. And okay. They they make shirt, shirts for me that you know best Fit. strong shirts, <laughs> but they also do the best strong shirts as well. So okay. like the back of my shirt says "Age is just a number." So nice. Which I agree with. It's me too. It's here. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, and then uh, get new age. I do mouthpieces when I lift now because okay. I've cracked teeth. I saw that you put yeah. in a mouthpiece. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Root, canal, root canals are not fun. No, they're yeah. not. So rather than, because uh. I bear really hard on stuff. And sometimes the, the amount of pressure will be, I don't know what the PSI is. Right. Like, but it did crack one of my teeth. So Shit, shit. I have a, I have a question to ask about that. Okay. Yeah. Like, because I've seen a lot of strongman competitions in which people pass out. Yes. Have you ever passed out? And how does that feel like in that environment? <laughs> I, I have. Um, sometimes just the way you're lifting something or whatever, it's all out. And it just starts going dark on you. you. You don't even realize. You can say, oh, boy, I'm going. And you'll try to get a couple more. And then you put it down, hopefully, before you fall. And then you wake up and you go, what, then, what happened? Yeah. I mean, it, it's exactly. You wake up and you're like, where am I at? And then you quickly realize where you're at and right. you go back to either trying to lift if you got enough time left on the clock or you're done. That's crazy. Go back to lift. Like, give me, I would be like, oh, I'm done. I'm tapping out <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, what was it? World's Strongest Man in 16. We were doing a car deadlift and I'd gotten to 12 reps at like 45 or 50 seconds. So I still had 10 seconds left, but the world had gone black and I had to take a knee and I started coming too, and I went, and they, they blew the whistle for time, but I was going to keep pulling more. I had more in me, but I, I just blacked out. That's just how it was. Wow. <laughs> oh, Dad, this is literally all I, I can say. So when you say you still had it in you, but the world's shutting out around you, like, mm -hmm. is that, have you ever meditated? I can only, yes. I can I, only I say that that's, that's the closest. I meditate a couple times a day. I'm Buddhist. Okay. Okay. Ah, nice. So it's like that if, if I was to compare it to anything, it's like that last or it's that state if you're doing like breath work of mm -hmm. like it, solid focus, but at the same time, nothing around you really exists. Yeah. But it's 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 just weird because the pressure gets so he so high sometimes with what you're doing. And if you have a deadlift suit on, stuff like that, the pressure goes up even higher. So guys will have a 
tendency to black out sometimes when that happens, or it just sits funny, or something just hits an artery that didn't normally hit when you're lifting. It happens. So it's something you got to be aware of as you're going. Yeah, and then, like, does everybody like freak out like in the crowd or is i mean i would assume they understand that it happens but there's got to be that moment of whoa if something catastrophic happens as the blackout happens yeah the crowd freaks out but for the most part now the the fans of the sport are getting to the point where there's so many of them now they've been to some of the contests they see the things and as long as something bad doesn't happen they don't get as concerned as they used to Mm -hmm. got it but yeah it's it's one of those things that happens. I mean, it happens to all of us. I don't think there's anybody that hasn't lifted ungodly heavy that it hasn't happened to. It's just not good when you're squatting. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> oh God, especially when you're squatting fucking six hundred pounds. Jesus. Well, my my best in a competition is eight seventy, and I did Jeez. that at forty eight. Jeez, how many times? Oh, once. It was okay. a powerlifting meet, okay. so I had to get all the way down. Um, your your podcast. Talk, where, where's your podcast? Uh, our podcast is on pretty much all the major platforms. Okay. Uh, it's called Legends of Iron. Okay. So we just talk to everybody that has anything to do with the Iron Game. And there's something coming, hopefully, with the podcast. Can you talk about that, yeah, or you want to keep it? That, yeah, okay, but you'll see it. Right, but stay in tune. <laughs> stay um, tuned. It's, yeah, it's good kinda, stuff. Yeah, it's really up. good stuff. Awesome. Um, man. Well, and then the crazy thing is, is the four of us got called by the producers again for strongest man in history. So we're waiting to hear back again. So that could happen as well. Nice. So, and I think Brian's to the point now where he might just start doing it himself and putting it on YouTube. So if they don't step forwards, Brian's probably going to, Brian and Eddie are going to get together and we'll probably get that figured out for YouTube. Because nice. we love doing that show. We had so much fun. Nice. There's so many funny moments. Uh, the the guy that produced the show, like our the one that showed up to filming and stuff, right. he did the first season of Duck Dynasty. Wow. As funny as the show was, it would have been that much that much better if they would have really let him have more creative control. Wow. Because it was there was so much stuff to hit the cutting room floor that right. was absolutely hilarious. Oh, man, I hate that. I'll, I'll give you one thing on that. I hate cold water. I mean, I, I go into the ice baths, I do it, but I just, it, no matter what I do, it's not something I'm going to enjoy. I do it because you should. Right. And um, I lost a bet throwing a Thor's hammer. Uh-huh. And I'm the one that had to go in the ice bath. For how long? I was supposed to go in for two minutes, but they dragged it out to like four and a half. Ow. And they were dumping ice on my head, and they were dumping snow on my head, and they were stirring the water and giving me a hard time the whole time. Right. And I'm like, I legitimately was pissed, and I would, did not like it and right. enjoyed it at all. And I'm like, just thinking, you guys got to get me out of here. So I get, I finally they say I can get out, and I get out, and I go run, and I sit down. I got a blanket on me, and I'm starting to dry off. I finally just get back to warm. And Eddie grabs a bu- five-gallon bucket of ice water and comes over and dumps it all in my head <laughs> and then bolts out the door. <gasps> and they cut it because they thought it was too mean. Oh! And it was full. I, I, I didn't appreciate it very much at the time, right. 
But when they went back and showed it to us, it was hilarious. Is there is that anywhere? Can you find it anywhere? YouTube uh, or anything? The the actual footage of that. Yeah. You can see the episode on YouTube and on the History Channel right. and on Hulu and stuff like but that. But not that outtake. But not that outtake. Ah, damn. But not that outtake. There's a few things that have out. There's a few uh, videos that released that were outtakes, but not too many of them. Right. They, but there's some stuff that are outtakes that, if they ever. If they ever get out, it's hilarious. Right, right. Like Robert and I go to try to make mead. Right. That didn't turn out well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I work for a, I work for beer companies for 18 years, and uh, so th I know the process, and I know right. that <clears throat> like the honey, we I had to get it all dissolved, so we had to heat it up and get it in there. So you got to cool it back off because if you pour the yeast in, when it's hot, it's going to kill the yeast, and it's never going to fermentate, and you'll never have any alcohol. And uh, Robert's just dumping the yeast in and just doing all this crazy stuff in the middle of it because he doesn't know any better. And I'm, right. like, I'm like, dude, stop. And right. He's just, he's, he was in a hurry because he wanted to go eat. <laughs> so it's just, of course it's just, he did. It's just funny stuff. I mean, <laughs> so many things. Right. And yeah, you just never forget when you walk up and knock on Robert's door and he walks up in his underwear. It's just a sight you can never unsee. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, put, at least put on your shorts. Right. <laughs> Well, man, thank you so much for your time. This was great. I could oh, sit pleasure. here and talk to you for hours. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll have you back on again when Absolutely. one of these cool things are happening in your world. Absolutely. Uh, really appreciate it. Oh, um, my pleasure is mine. Guys, like, share, write a review, um, leave a comment. Um, but watch this episode through to the end. Um, and until next time, FitFam, I'm out. Oh, I can get talking.